Hey, this is Keith Jones, the new president of Hockey Operations of the Flyers, and you're listening to Snow the Goalie. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome in to Snow the Goalie, the only Flyers podcast, the People's podcast, the Players podcast, Prognosticators podcast, PD Life podcast. Training camp is open, and now we are back. Hockey season has begun. Here with the only Flyers podcast, Snow the Goalie. I'm Russ Joy at Joy on Broad, joined as always by two beautiful, beautiful human beings. Of course, first in the middle, Anthony Sanfilippo. Find him on Twitter at Philly, and over on the other side. The man who lit up the room at Westchester University, and that, of course, is none other than Bundy. Chris Terrian, follow him on Twitter, at CTerrian6. Bundy, um, speaking engagements galore. How, how's, your, uh, how, how's that celebrity feeling over there, huh? How you doing? Good, man. It was good, a good week. I uh, got a chance to get out and, as I said, share a couple stories. I was out at Westchester University speaking, and uh, the Delaware – County Press Club this week, which I have a couple of really interesting stories of, which really off the cuff. And he was out our crazy. way. He was out my way. I was that was definitely your way. Oh, yeah, yeah. We got some Anthony San Filippo material today. That's, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, sometimes people are, you know, you don't know these legends in certain parts, and uh, <laughs> you know, I had to something I had to deal with. Oh boy. Uh, Mr. Chuckles, giggly bits in the middle. Anthony Sanfilippo, find him on Twitter and in San Philly. How you doing there, fella? I, I, I didn't have any coffee yet this morning, and I, I probably need some because uh, it was a late night last night. I was down at the ballpark oh. uh, for, for the fills. I uh, got home after midnight. Um, so and then, you know, we're up at the up early here in, in what Bundy calls the mongrel hours uh, doing a live show uh, only because it's the only time today that we had available mostly because of my schedule um that we had available uh so yeah so it's uh, I'm just running on adrenaline at this point russell running mm. on adrenaline you know what there's one thing that we can say or that some people would say and that's that you don't phone it in you don't mail it in I certainly Bundy don't doesn't mail, mail it in. in no yours no, truly only one, only one person the, does the king of mailing it in um by the way, we have people setting over-unders on the Bundy Bomb for today's episode. I want to remind people, if you're over on Twitter, which we managed to get back up and running here, or if you're on Facebook, if you're on Facebook, you can comment down below by all means. If you want to head over to YouTube, you can join us there as well and comment. If you're watching on Twitter and you want to interact with the show, YouTube is probably the place to go. You can see it scrolling along the bottom of the screen, youtube.com slash at snowthegoalie. And by the way, if you're watching right now on YouTube, don't forget to hit that thumbs up button. You know how much we like that. It helps us out. It helps other Flyers fans find us. And let's be honest, they need to find us because this somehow still, all these years later, remains the only Flyers podcast. I don't know how it's I don't know how it's still happening, but it is. So okay. Flyers training camp is open. What? I've seen torts. Did we talk what? about this? What do you, Did we talk what? about this? But I just popped it up on the screen for you. Snow the goalie. Come for the pre-show banter, stay for the podcast. Brent yes. Boothman. Yes. But you didn't tell the people who are listening only on the podcast that if they missed the they know, one. I say this every week. Go ahead. 
Continue. Oh, and this is, by the way, this is from the pre-show podcast. This is from the pre-show podcast, uh, the pre-show mm-hmm. banter. But here we go. I just thought a couple, there was a couple of nice items. You know, Bundy was talking about uh, the co- young college girls who listen to Snow to Goalie. And we have the older folks. I Scott never Walker. should have given you access to be able to pull these up because you're screwing up a thing that I was going to get to here in a couple minutes. All right, okay. do what you got to do. You and your, I'm not going to have. I have zero you, access you anymore. Your... Take, take it away from me. I'm not pushing. No, nope, no, nope. you get to keep your access because you're such a good old boy over there. Okay, now Bundy has to inform people about some things that have happened here in recent weeks. Now, if you were joining us on the YouTube stream, which of course is where you get the exclusive banter, where there's like anywhere from usually six to 10 minutes of nonsense before we get started with the show, you would have learned that Bundy recently did a speaking engagement at Westchester University, Westchester, the best Chester, my alma mater, where he was approached by two students. Bundy, really quick, Give the Cliff Notes versions of that to the uh, the fine folks who go back and listen to this only in the podcast feed, even though they should head over to youtube.com slash at Snow the Goalie and subscribe and listen to the pre-show banter. Yeah, it was actually kind of multi-layered because I had these two young fans, female fans of the show and the Flyers came up after the presentation and they said, hey, Chris, you know what? We love Snow the Goalie, but our professor starts his class so we're not able to get the pre-game the pre-banter pre-show banter and i said wow like that's some of the best stuff like we know we heard all about it so i said well you got to talk to professor (laughs) tell him he's going to start class 10 minutes later (laughs) so anyway the best part was is that you know when they when you get people show up and then you really realize like wow people are just tuning in and it's it's a it's a good variant like i love the fact that it's uh uh, we have a you know very diverse listening audience uh viewing audience it's really really cool so yeah we have we have uh definitely two female fans out at westchester university probably more it was a great night and uh it was a really really good opportunity uh, as i said to share my story with um uh, with a lot of the Westchester kids in, in the crowd and the, and the law enforcement uh, from the, the, the um, uh, from Chester County. And I said, as I said earlier in the banner, Deb Ryan was the, was a DA and she was most responsible in the previous weeks for, you know, having her law enforcement track down that uh, Cavalcante, the newest Eagles fan. And uh, it was kind of interesting. It was just really cool, but we had some really good people and they're doing a lot of good things. And it was, it was a good night and uh, got to spread some good uh, flyers messaging. One thing that is pretty prevalent right now, you can tell there's an excitement and a buzz again about the season coming up from the fans. I think just a new regime turn has certainly gotten fans uh, excited about what's to come. And I think I, I feel that when I go through a lot of the audiences, you know, I have a lot of people ask me, even at the Delco press club, you know, about Jonesy, Danny, you know, getting an opportunity to kind of change the, the tide of, of things, you know, from what they've been. So uh, it's a kind of an exciting time right now. And with training camp having started the other day, I think it gets people, uh, you know, with the nice fall weather, it does feel like hockey starting. And that's pretty cool. Hey, really quick, you, you mentioned the Delco thing that you did. And you mentioned that there's like certain levels of celebrity. Um, at the risk of inflating Anthony's head like SpongeBob when he blew into those like fake muscles that he had, the, the blow up ones. Um, can you tell everybody about the interaction that you had with a, uh, you know, you mentioned college age kids, but then there was somebody who maybe is a little bit farther to the other end of the spectrum. Can you just, uh, give, give the fine folks a, a little, little teaser? Yeah, uh, this, this is somebody that yeah, I don't like to guess ages, but may have been in their eighties and, um, yeah, you know, just a, a delightful person. And I was at the, De- the, the Delaware press club, um, is, is a lot of former writers for the Del- Delaware County times. A lot of them are authors. 
And so they asked me to come in for their inaugural event and speak at the State Street Pub the other day uh, in beautiful. Um, um, it wasn't Devon. Well, um, Anthony, I got a brain. Crack. Media. 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 Um, so yeah, we had a great lunch and I was able to get to, to, to speak. And I had a lady come to me after, as I said, probably mid 80s, I'm going to guess. And she said, I, you know, I used to work with Anthony and uh, Anthony Sanfilippo was a Delco, Delco guy. And she says, I don't know if you know this, but Anthony is an incredible actor. And I'm looking like, all right, where are we going here? Like an actor. Like, I'm like, oh, you know, and I'm, yeah, I just want to be polite. And of course, listen to what she had to say. And she says, and his family are incredible actors. And I'm like, holy Jesus. Like Anthony's like, uh, like the, like he's like real, like Al Pacino, I guess. And anyway, she went on to rave about Anthony and his acting at the Swarthmore Theater uh, Company or whatever. I, I think it was something like that. Players but, Club of Swarthmore, yeah. Yeah, and, and anyway, I had uh, I was stunned. I I've, all the time I'd met Anthony, I'd known him a long time. I'd never knew he was an actor, uh, but I'll tell you what, like in in Delco, uh, when it comes to acting, he's like uh, he's like the fucking Robert De Niro of Delco, man. <laughs> That's our guy. <laughs> there it is, the first Bundy bomb of the episode, ladies and gentlemen. If you had the over <laughs> under. Set for around nine minutes or so, or was that about eight? Let's see, that was what, 15, about 15.50. So yeah, uh, about nine minutes into the show. Congratulations, you win a prize if you had the over. Not great today. Um, So so, So Ant. I mean, what an unbelievable story. I mean, I was like, and and you know what, first of all, you know, and I have to say this, as a former athlete, um. I, I think to myself, like when I see different things like that or different passions of people, I immediately thought to myself, how cool is that? You know, like it's maybe it's my older sense, Andy or Anthony, where I'm getting to that point in life. But I was like, wow, like there are people do different things and, and they there there's acting and people like to go curling in Canada. But really, Anthony, I thought that was just so cool uh, that you do that and you got your family inter- entwined in it. Um, uh, everybody has something, right? Like I like doing sports. My girls play basketball and every family's different. So I think that's pretty cool. Take it away because I, I thought it was a great story. No, and, and it's, no, it's really, really awesome that it's really awesome that she came up and said that that was very nice of her. Um, I haven't actually acted on stage in about four years. I've been directing, uh, more. I was at that show. Yeah. That's, that's right. You that was the one in Pot- it was out in Pottstown, right? Or no, no, it was, or that, no. It was in um. That was in uh, Berwyn. Oh, that that's right. Berwyn. Yeah, that little. That was that a good show. Theater footlight. I was there. impressed. You're well, clearly a better funny, actor than a podcast host and a writer. Thing about, I'll tell you why. It's good. The funny thing about that show, um, and that was the play called Moon Over the Moon Over Buffalo. Uh, was the name of the play. <laughs> um, their lead actor. I wasn't involved with that show during rehearsals or anything like that. I didn't audition for it. Nothing. Their lead actor had to drop out of the show four days before it opened because he had an injury. If you remember, Russ, I had to fall off the stage. Um, My character was drunk and had to fall off the stage. And I guess in rehearsal, when he fell off the stage, he injured himself to the point where he could not go on. And so they called me because somebody there knew me and said, I don't know of anyone else who could fill, come in and fill in and learn a lead role in four days. And so I said, all right, I'll give it a shot. And so that was that was a last-minute fill-in. That was the last time I was actually on stage performing. It was right before the pandemic. Um, and uh, But I've directed since and several times at the Players Club. My kids 
<clears throat> have all performed. Um, and we last year I directed a show. Um, it was the first time all four of us were involved in the product in a production at the same time. Um, we've always just been, you know, one of us or two of us, a couple times there's been two people involved, but, um, it was the very first time all four of us were able to share, uh, share the stage in one way or another, same on the, with the same show. So it's kind of a neat thing and it's, it's, it's fun. And, you know, my oldest son was a baseball player. Um, my youngest son played soccer. Uh, my daughter was a dancer. It's so, like, there was all, all other things that we did. But uh, yeah, it was kind of cool. So I appreciate that. That was nice. And I'm glad, Bundy, you got to see that and know that now. And so the next time I do something theatrical, I'm going to invite you so you can come out and see it. I, I, I would love to. And I will be there. And uh, yeah, I'll be, you know, be doing backflips down the middle of the aisle. <laughs> you, and Russell like. be, you and Russ will be sitting there like the, like the two puppets on the Muppet Show, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Criticizing I everything I did. I think it's <laughs> what you guys would be. <laughs> yeah. Anthony's gonna be in like some dramatic, uh, dramatic role, and we'll be sitting up in the balcony, Bundy. It'll be like, I thought it was acting. It's good to be laughing again. It's good to be doing anything again. Oh! <laughs> All right, let's get into today's previously scheduled activities as we talk about the start of Flyers training camp. Now, I know a lot of people are excited. I will tell you guys, and I, I don't say this just for fun. There are more people in my life right now who, when they talk about the Flyers season coming up, and you know how this always works every year, Flyers, Sixers. They always get tied together. People pick their camps. There's not a ton of crossover. I find myself in that camp, but not as many people do, I guess. I have had more people say to me, I am more excited to see what the Flyers do than what the Sixers do this year. Now, that's partially insane because even though the Sixers have a terribly unbalanced roster, drama galore, and we all know they're going to go out in the second round, that's at least a team that you say, hey, there, there is a path potentially to making a deep playoff run. This Flyers team is not that. And yet, the positivity surrounding this team perhaps is due in part to the fact that the organization has been honest about the rebuild. What do you guys attribute and I don't know if you're hearing the same thing that I am, but what are you guys attributing some of the positivity that people are going into this season with versus like what we've seen the last few years? Bundy, I think it's very – oh, go ahead. Go ahead. You give your two words. So I think we're going to say the same thing. All right. Culture change. Return yes. to culture. That's all it is. That's all they've done is go back to what Snyder was. There's no difference in what the team was the last three or four years. I mean, going in – as an honest assessment, looking at the team, is this talent? Is this team have the talent to win? No, it does not. But that's okay because we've been told it's a rebuild. It's supposed to be a rebuild. But the things that have come back are the same things that we've been preaching for two years, boys. Like exact same thing. It's, it's been kind of a blueprint. And that's the part that we always said was you can't lose. When I said last year, I think I even said it like on a national show, like you can be a shitty team but you can never devolve into a shitty organization. And I don't think there's ever been a truer word that came off my tongue. And that's what was happening. So if installing somebody that was going to, you know, throw the culture back at the fans of what once was, and then now we're going to tell you, Hey, we're going to build uh, the team on top of this. Cause you can't just win with, with legacy and memories and history of the good old days. You have to have that 
built-in legacy, which this team does, unlike any other in the city. I've seen it. I've watched all four teams. There's something about a flyer passion that other teams don't have. And so that was the stuff that we talked about. And finally, the people that finally came in here understood that, realized it, and made made those changes. That's all it is. Return to culture. Uh, and then now give them a chance to build a team where it all comes together again. A good team with the legacy of the past and everything that was built here in this city for, you know, 55 years. I think Bundy's spot on with this. And, and I'm going to make an, uh, um, uh, I'm going to harken back for you, Bundy, back to the, the, the very, very early days uh, of your hockey career. This, this kind of reminds, it actually probably goes to just before you actually reached the NHL, but this kind of reminds me of where this team was when you know when Lindros first got here but they still sucked right I mean that was kind of it was kind of like the, the there was an excitement obviously the excitement then was a was about the player getting Eric Lindros right uh who they thought was going to be this you know a generational talent I mean he's Hall of Famer right but but I mean that was kind of the, the idea and that it was building towards something that finally you know started to come to be in that 95 lockout season and I kind of think that that's where we're in that early Lindros phase all right. There's some excitement about some players who aren't going to be on the team this year, but they're coming, right? And Cutter Gauthier and Matt Mishkov. So, so there's excitement about those kinds of players. But you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna be excited to grow with this team because they have been transparent and honest, and of going back to, you know, the, having the culture of the of the Flyers past. There's no doubt this team's going to suck this year. They're going to be bad. Okay. I, and if they're if they're better, if they're competitive, and you know they're in every game, and they just happen to lose some at the end, that's okay. All right, they're they're not gonna. When I say they're gonna suck, they're gonna suck in the sense that they're not gonna win games. They're not gonna suck like they sucked two years ago, where they would get down two nothing, and then the game would end up being six to one. They're they're yeah. gonna be in a, they're gonna be in games. They're gonna be competitive. They're gonna play tough. That's the way. Torts coaches his teams. He gets the players to play a certain way. They'll probably win a few games that you don't expect them to win. I think especially early in the season, and we'll get into that in a minute. Um, but at the same time, they're likely going to be toward the bottom of the league in the standings come April. And that's okay. Like I think that everybody's understanding of that and is willing to accept that now because they basically come out and told you what the plan is publicly and how it's going to go. And in the process, we're returning back to doing things the way we used to do them under uh, our former owner and our founder. And I think that that's, that's the main reason why the excitement is what it is. Speaking of that former owner and the founder of the team, is that an appropriate up? time? Did I tee is, that up for is, you, Bundy? I mean, uh, Russ? Is, is this an appropriate time to point out? Two years ago, <laughs> all right? And I, I'll be very careful how I say it. I'm looking don't forward, Russ. I'm looking forward. I'm not looking uh, yeah, that's right. anymore. <laughs> that's right. Uh, so two years ago, we noted that the Flyers accounts didn't mention Ed Snyder's birthday, which some people thought was stupid of us to bring up, although traditionally they had. And usually for like an owner who's as woven into the fabric of a team and an organization as Snyder was, you would kind of expect something like that, like the Yankees would do with the George Steinbrenner, like the um, the Raiders, I guess, probably still do with Al Davis, like the Cowboys inevitably will do whenever Jerry Jones, uh, well, maybe he won't die. Maybe he'll just 
move his uh, his sentience into that AI robot thing. They have the hologram down at Cowboy Stadium. But two years ago, he brought it up. A lot of people were like, hey, you know what? That is right. That's kind of shitty that they didn't mention anything. Uh, they didn't mention it at the game. Like, there was nothing. And then there was other people who were like, well, this is stupid. You guys are just like a bunch of out-of-touch assholes. Like, ah, blah, 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 blah. And it started a whole thing. And then we had like another Twitter beef. And it was like stupid. But it was true. Um, and then last year, the team put out a thing on Twitter to acknowledge Ed Snyder's birthday. And I'm pretty sure that at whatever the, the closest home game was to his was birthday, they, they did a thing in arena to acknowledge it. Okay. Now, when that happened, we went, ah, maybe, perhaps, bringing a little bit of light to it is part of what led to them, I don't know, acknowledging it last year. Well, friends... The Flyers put out their promotional schedule for this year, for this season. And one of the things that they are going to be celebrating this year is Ed Snyder's birthday. There's a day on the promotional schedule for the owner's birthday. Now, you can go back in time if you want. You can relitigate this if you want. You can tell us that we are still just as stupid as we were two years ago. We are not, but you can try. If you thought that it meant nothing, you were wrong then and you would still be wrong now. Clearly, as this organization tries to gut and take out any semblance of the prior administration, the Dave Scott, Val Camillo era of Flyers, whatever you want to call it. I couldn't call it 2.0. I don't know what they were internally calling it. But if they have made an effort to cut that out and to go back to what this organization was before, um, this is about as bold of a statement. It's about as uh, out in front as you can possibly be. When Hilferty was on our show a few weeks ago or a month and a half ago, he talked about how you don't try to replace an Ed Snyder. You try to kind of uphold the legacy and do what you can. I mean, there might still be people who think this is stupid. There might be. But I think that for a lot of people who care about this team, care about the organization, who have been Flyers fans for their entire lives, they'll look at this and say, that's pretty cool and it's a nice gesture. And you've got like Andrew Fawcett here. Yay for Mr. Snyder. HC, Mr. Snyder smiling upon us. Now, I mean, I'm just saying. It's out there and, you know, there you go. Yeah, I'll say something first and then I'll throw it to Bundy because, you know, it's a little bit different relationship that Bundy had with ed than i had i mean i mostly dealt with him um as a member of the media although i did work for the man for two years um but bundy had a little bit more of a personal on a relationship with him as his owner um uh, as a player so but i what i will say is the argument that we were making two years ago was not that oh my god they should be honoring this man all the time why aren't they honoring him it was here's a team that stinks that has lost, there's losing fans left, right, and center, that the arena is emptying out all over the place, that has made one misstep after another. If you remember, that was right after the uh, Hall and Fame inductions for, for Paul Holmgren and, and Rick Tockett, when there was nobody in the building, right? I mean, there was all kinds of major faux pas that this organization was doing. And all we were suggesting was, hey, it would you would go a long way with these fans who you are losing if you just popped up on the screen at the first time out 
remembering our founder on t- today, which would have been his, I forget what birthday it would have been, but whatever birthday it would have been. Um, and, you know, and it's just like a quick little 30-second thir- video montage, whatever. Or on Twitter, if you could just put out a, hey, you know, we're we're remembering our, our owner today. That's all it was. We weren't asking for like a big to-do. It was just a little recognition thing. And then you, your fans will get there, sit there and go, oh, okay, I know the team stinks, but at least we recognize that they, at least they recognize where they came from. And that kind of gives us, an, a, you know, hope that they'll one day get back there again. And that's really all that we were suggesting. And it turned into this big kerfuffle. Ed's daughter, Serena, got involved. She started replying. I think she replied to you first, Bundy, on Twitter. And then she was replying to some of my stuff. Um, And so that made it a big deal. And it became like a story, like in the city. And they pushed back. And then we argued with them. And we ripped them for a couple episodes. And that really kind of became a thing. And so, like, to see where it was two years ago and where it is now. I mean, we didn't ask for this, for them to do a full day a, a legacy game they're calling the it the legacy, legacy game. game against calgary and that's on fine. his birthday i think it's i think it it's actually on, on his birthday it's january on january 6th. 6th yep it is on his birthday like to see how far it's changed in two years that's what we're talking about with the culture change like this is a, we wouldn't have asked we wouldn't have called for this but this is how far the new regime is going to show everyone how important this is for the organization and for the fans to do something like this and recognize them. And that that's all. And I think that that's, I'm glad that they've kind of figured that out. And that's part of what the new group is doing. Right, Bundy? Donald Biorti, by the way, has a good comment here, Bundy, before you jump in. There are ways to evolve as an organization that don't involve throwing out everything that was good about the organization to begin with. It's like yeah, spot and, on. And I, and I think, I just think like the one thing I knew was, and Anthony does, and um, I just, there was just a connection to the team that Snyder cared so much about for his fans. Like I used to tell people, he loved his fans more than his players. And I think if you were a fan in his town, like, I mean, listen, in the world of sports that we live in today, there's so many hack owners out there that are in it for all the wrong reasons. Well, to them, they're the right reasons, right? It's called money and finances. I mean, look, you got, uh, I mean, Harris goes out and buys the Sixers, but he's got the Washington team and the Devils. I mean, there's no passion tied to Philadelphia for those reasons. Um mm-hmm. When I look at that, I just look at him as an owner of a, a multifaceted uh, sports entertainment machine in multi cities. There's no, you can say there's passion to it, but one thing Ed Snyder had was the passion for the fans, and he loved his fans and he appreciated his fans. And so, you know, people can say, oh, you know, they haven't won it all the time. It doesn't matter. They tried to win. And as I said before, one team wins the Stanley Cup, you know, every year out of the 32 teams. That didn't matter, but what did matter was the culture and what this what the team means to the city. Unlike all the other towns, it had it embodied the the blue collar attitude of the worker in the city, uh, battling, fighting through things, you know, making things uncomfortable uh, in a sports setting. And you'll never see that again the way the Broad Street Bullies were constructed. But even beyond the Broad Street Bullies, there's a great legacy here that was left in the '80s. The teams were great. With '90s, there was always an excitement every single night. Uh, and then, you know, the 2000s was, was pretty good. It was good in the early 2000s. And then we got the surprise again in 2010. But I, I just think people want to ultimately want to watch good hockey um, reverberate a little bit back to the past. It doesn't have to be all about the past and nor should it be. But I think there has to be some tribute and legacy of a reminder. And I remember talking to Hilferty about that, Anthony, how much he talked about the importance of honoring the history because somebody built this. 
somebody built this for this city and it's been such a huge part of the culture of this town that you can't lose that in the process and i think that's what's become important i guess to jonesy i mean i, I maybe i don't think jonesy listened but certainly the things that we've talked about were also as important to the people that are there making the decisions now and they've kind of echoed what we did talk about two years ago yeah and I, and just the last thing on that is that um i i think that we find in sports not just in hockey or just with the flyers or whatever but i think we find in sports that we we tend to t we tend to like owners who are individual owners who are you know involved who are out there amongst the people like think about what the al davis well i mean oh, even yep. yeah but even even now like i mean you look at the phillies and you look at middleton he's out there shaking hands with the fans and inviting fans up into his box every game yeah. right i mean like things like that where you are an individual who is relatable to the community and relatable to the people fans pine for that they love that because then they yeah. feel then they feel invested be more invested because they know the owner is invested not yes. just with his dollars but with his passion and his emotion and yeah. when you have an owner like joshua harris or harris blitzer entertainment and they're owning teams all over the country and due to spending more time down in washington right now glad handing with the the commanders fans and he's ever and hasn't spoken one word or one iota about the mess that is the sixers and the whole argument with the should they build an arena not build an arena hasn't even weighed in on it like that's that's a an owner who's disconnected and yeah. it was what we used to complain about with the flyers with dave scott who was the representative of ownership who was disconnected with the flyers and we're saying this is why it's different because you're not connected you don't have to be ed snyder you just have to have some traits that are similar and i think people will accept that dan hilferty is not going to be ed snyder but he has enough similar traits that people will relate to him on that level. He'll be there meeting people in the front uh, as they walk into the building. Apparently there was a season ticket holder event and Dan was there shaking hands with all the season ticket holders coming in, thanking them for being season ticket holders. Like that never happened for the last six years, seven years. He was you know, the owner representative ownership was not there. And so that's the, that's all that fans want out of their owners. And, and I think that there's less and less of it in sports and, and just yeah. in general. And because it's too corporate, right? But the in the in the instances where it's not, where it's in an individual who cares about the fan bases, though you'll find that those fan bases are more bought into whatever their team is doing, no matter how good or how bad they are, because they trust and believe in their owner. And that and well, there's also why, and that, but hold on, Russ, one sec. That that's why the anger and the disdain rage through the fan base here. Because they'd seen that that other side of it, they loved it. They felt like the family ties to this organization. Listen, I, you know, when, when, when New Regime came in, and we know we're talking about Dave and Valerie, people sometimes want to put their stamp on things that just don't need to be stamped. I'll give you the best example. The Flyer logo, mm -hmm. right? That was a change. Was it Coke to Pepsi or Pepsi to Coke? I can't remember the other one. Like just doing things to be different. Sometimes just leave it, leave it alone. You know, again, I love I, I, a lot of that stuff is a revert to the past, but that's why the fans were so pissed because they'd seen the other side and they saw something that was a complete flip over. They flipped it almost overnight. And, and you can't do that to a rabid fan base that has had uh, was was married to the culture of this team and the legacy of the team. And when you did what you did last year, um, 
and for years before that, it ca- it will catch up to you as an organization. That, and that's why we talk about the corporations. I really feel with with Dan in there now, Hilferty, he is absolutely uh, carries a lot of the mantle that Snyder had, and he understands sports in this town and understands the passion of the fans. And that is that you never, never, never uh, undermine that that layer of thinking because the fans are the ones that make your team valid at the end of the day. Good players by your organization, but the fans getting behind you. And that had not happened. And that's where they're trying to get back now to. So much of this is just being able to identify and have a little bit of self-awareness and prior ownership, prior front, front facing people who were in important roles had little to none of it. Hilferty has it. Jones has it because he's been involved with the organization before. Briere has it because he's been involved with the organization before. They understand it. If there's anybody that you can think or that you would hope or trust is going to be able to, like, I guess, live up to the legacy or at least, you know, maintain some feeling of what the Flyers way always was, like it would be these guys. Again, there might be people who are listening to the show right now who are screaming at their phones or screaming at their devices saying like, hey, the Flyers haven't won a Stanley Cup since the 70s. The Flyers way sucks. I mean, you can certainly go about that way if you want. And like, you're not wrong. Like the team hasn't had a ton of success. It's had some like decent runs here and there. It's certainly not. And like this, this may be where I go, hey, the Flyers are a, a franchise that matters to the NHL, but they're not a winning franchise yet. There is a lot of bad, bad seasons that have happened in recent memory. And part of what this team has to do is figure out a way to instill the values and create the culture that's going to make this a long-lasting winning team. And so now, 40 minutes into the show, we finally get to training camp is open. And there is a lot of enthusiasm around the team. Sean Couturier is back on the ice. Cam Atkinson's back on the ice. It looks like, for the most part, they've got a healthy squad. They have players that are excited, presumably, to be here. Stahl is excited to be here. Tortorella had, you know, a, whatchamacallit, he had a rope out at camp. Uh, there's, everybody's excited. And I guess, you know, right now, wh- what is the thing that you think people should be looking for right now uh, that, that they could be excited about and that they should be looking for? You know, we had, we had somebody in the comments a little bit ago. Let me see if I can pull this up really quick. Um, yeah, we've had a lot of John, Haver- John, John Haverman. John Haverman over on Facebook says, uh, heading up to training camp today with his son. So, like, what what should John and his son be looking for at, at camp today? You just want to you just want to watch. I always think that training camp is really more, and Bundy can confirm this, but training camp is <clears throat> really only about conditioning, right? So, so ultimately, they already know who's going to be on this roster and and who's going to be there. Maybe there's one battle between a couple guys, and they're thinking. Uh, maybe this guy, maybe that guy. But for the most part, you already know what what you're going to do, right? So when you're a fan and you're going to training camp, I think what you really want to do is you want to look at the, you know, especially these early days of training camp when everybody's together. You just want to see how the younger players compete with the veterans uh, in camp. And I just mean that in drills. I mean, it's it might seem mundane, right? Like if you're going to camp, I'm like, well, what the heck am I looking for? All right, watch some of the drills and see how young players compete against veteran guys. And you'll see, you know, you'll see sometimes they they look 
foolish because the veteran guys know how to do things a different way than the than the rookies do. But then there's sometimes where the young players and the rookie players actually do a good job in those little competitions, those little board battles, one-on-ones and things. And you go, man, that's that's encouraging. You can't take anything more out of it. You can't sit there and go, oh, man, he looked fantastic. This guy should be in the lineup. No, but, I mean, there should be things that you find watching these guys play that make it encouraging for you and 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 you know to think about what's coming down the road. So that's the, I think when you're when you're a fan attending camp, that's really all you can look for. I mean, there's really not much else. But man, like like yesterday, Bundy, if you have, did you ever have? And I know Hitch was a, a pain in the ass like this, but did you ever have to bag skate like like Torts made these guys bag skate yesterday? I mean, that was some kind of thing. I mean, I literally Scott Lawton was ready to throw up. He said yeah, it in the press conference I, afterwards. I've been through some that are as bad as anything you'll ever imagine. I mean, there's nobody the worst. I mean, you could say it was bad and I'm sure it was awful, but whatever it was yesterday. Yes. I've been through that. I've been, it's just the worst when you know it's coming to, and you lost a couple and then you hear the coach, like you you kind of have an idea when practice is winding down and you hear like, all right, pucks in the net. And you're like, no, here we go. I know it's coming. Line up on the blue line, two groups. And the worst was the mountain. We used to call it the mountain. So you'd go, so it's, you know, you're starting the goal line. You go goal line, blue line, red line, blue line, far goal line. So we go short, uh, near side blue line and back twice to the goal line. The next group would go, then red line back twice. And then the next group would go, so two groups. It would be better if three went, but no, when you're really in bad, you get two groups. And then the far blue line and back twice. And then all the way down and then you build it back and you go twice. It was the more. It was sickening. It was like it, you just want. It was awful. And I, and I we did that. Yeah, and I just wonder, like you know, I mean, I'm not no knock, buddy, but I mean, I think that the. I think you guys were well. You were probably at the era where training twenty four seven three sixty five was was just kind of becoming a thing, right? I mean, you just guys, started. yeah, just right. I mean, yeah. But like mm-hmm. guys, just before you they would come into camp and camp was how they got into shape because they yes. hadn't done shit all summer long. Right. Yeah. These guys are, are 24, seven, 365 athletes and are getting exhausted doing these kinds of things. And so that's why I say it's, it's, it's a, it's so difficult for them, but I mean, that's, but good on sports for, for getting these guys to do that. And I say that because, you know, we ta- I mentioned earlier, I think this team's going to win a few games. You'd probably don't expect them to, I think just like last year, they're going to get off to an okay start, and it's probably because they're in better, they're better conditioned than a lot of other teams are. Just because he's an old school coach that way, and they might snake a couple teams like that you don't expect them to beat early in the season, but then eventually it will catch up to them. But I, mean, I think that that we looked at it last year. If you remember, Bundy, official, we almost don't make the official predictions yet. All right, because we, no, not yet. It was but spot we almost, on. It was spot on. We, we, we got to be very careful. We have a lot to live month, up to this year or two months, whatever it was. We nailed their schedule and nailed their record yeah. and surprised people. And um, but then it fell off at the end. And as as expected, I think you're going to see a lot of the same thing this year with this team. Yeah, and, and again, a lot of it we won't make. I won't make predictions. We'll save that as we move into the future. But you know, a lot of the things uh, will depend also on the injury situation, right? Like as you go into it, you know, you see Couturier back and Atkinson, and and there's still questions. The one thing you get from the team um, is that we're going to work. We're going to really work. And 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 you know, like I thought they worked last year. Like I thought Tortorella had them working really good last year for what they had, and. 
Um, you know, our, our thing last year was we thought Torch probably got them more wins than they needed, right? If they could have had a, maybe an opportunity to, to floor out and bottom out for a guy like Bedard and at least get in that conversation. But, and again, I think there'll be some similar, it'll be similar in a lot of ways this year. This team will work with the coach. Uh, you know, do, do guys take another step this year? You know, like in terms of a, like a Cates, no Cates, does he go another level up? Is Konechny, can he maintain what he did? Because we only saw it really that one year where you saw kind of a stardom jump out at him. There's a lot of questions. Will the defense hold together? Is Sanheim going to be able to take a step forward? You know, like in terms of anchoring things. So there are a lot of questions, but the one constant with the group will be that they are going to work. Uh, Jonesy told me that, hey, we're going to, we're going to, that's going to be the theme that we're going to have going into the year. We're going to work and we're going to be a hard team to play against. They were that last year too. Uh, and that's going to be the theme for a couple of years until they start, you know, getting more talent in uh, and plugging those into the lineup. So, but right now, again, it's, it's still a time to get young guys under and, and show who this team is with the coach. Guys will get an opportunity to play in training camp. And when I look at guys too, you're just talking about guys getting bag skated and, and who's in camp. The one thing that's always interesting when you look at players there's usually guys now that four or five guys in the same position that are all the same. They all kind of have the same level of skill. You know, they all do kind of the same things. And they're, and it's like a cookie cutter in a lot of ways. But what will separate a lot of those young guys, and that's what I'm looking for, is what separates their level of competitiveness between those guys that are vying for the same position. You could have a kid maybe going back to junior. You might have a 22-year-old in camp that you don't know that you're trying to figure out who they are. But to me, those measurables are the level of, of uh, competitiveness that that player has. And um, there is. There's a lot of guys that are just the same player now. The way the mold is, you're going to get exceptional talent like McDavid and players that do carry the mantle, uh, the, the high-level talent. But most of the league is not like that. Most of the league is comprised of guys that are going to uh, are going to be depth guys, going to get you ugly goals, score ugly goals. Uh, and then you're going to, you know, rebuild and have your good players with your top line guys. And that's where the Flyers are still trying to fit all those pieces together right now. Hey, Bundy, somebody asked, uh, Zach Weeks over on YouTube asked, do the bag skates like this really bring guys together? I remember wrestling conditioning, and I don't know it brought us together, but it's good to know who's all in. Um, it doesn't bring anybody together. It just makes you want to throw up. Um, but afterwards, it's a it's kind of good in the locker room where everybody's kind of feeling like crap together and you're all sitting there hanging out and, you know, you know, you did the work together. Does it bring it together? No, but it does. It does unite you in a sense that, Hey, we just worked really hard. Uh, and everybody was in the same boat together. So from that standpoint, yeah, there is, there is a, you know, a unity to that, but in terms of it together on the ice, no, you're just trying to get through it. And by the time you get to the last one, it doesn't really even matter what, what spot you're coming in. You're just trying to finish at that point. Uh, but there's some bag skates, yes, that are worse than others, and uh, I've been through every one of them. None of them are fun. Yeah, I guess I guess the the unity thing, Bundy, is you know you would normally if you can have you can have a practice where a couple guys kind of just skate through it, you know, whether they're having a bad morning or whatever the case might be, and they just kind of you know kind of meander through the practice and and can try and hide themselves a little bit. When you have a bag skate, nobody's hiding. It, no, you can't. Right. Yeah. And that's the thing. And so so I think that's the unity thing. It's like, look, we all had to go through this together. Let's make sure we don't get another one. Yeah, we know we're getting in and start a training camp when it happens in season. It sucks. Let's not have it happen again in season. I think that's the unity thing there. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And, and, and it does. And it shows you who's working and if someone's slacking off or something. So, 
you know, even the guy that finishes last, like some sometimes in the group, if not the fastest skater or someone just completely tanked at the end of practice, you still know if the guy's working or not. Nobody cares what place you come in if you're putting the work in. It, it, it's the same. That's the one thing in hockey. Like, I don't know what they do. In, I don't know, do NBA. I, I'd be shocked if those guys do like those Wendy's where they go back. I can't imagine if they maybe, work, but... maybe in camp, maybe, but I guarantee you it doesn't happen in the regular season. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, and you're going to have different teams with different levels of guys, you know, like in terms of, of, of where your team's at. Like, I doubt on the first day of training camp in Vegas, I may be wrong that, you know, they're probably running the veterans through the gamut of, of a bag skate. <laughs> like, you come off a Stanley Cup just three months ago. And, uh, you know, those are probably a little bit different attitudes that different coaches have and stuff. So, but I, I do like the work. I, I like the, the the fact that the team's trying to embody that culture again. And I thought they did that last year, to be honest with you. I thought Torts had them playing hard the entire year. Um, I just don't think that was necessarily the right thing to do. I wanted them playing hard. We j I just wanted them to have a little bit more of a chance to, to, to get that top pick. And, uh, and that's what we said. You know, Torts was going to was gonna make sure guys were accountable and playing hard. And, and as we said, they're probably seven games better than maybe their record was because of good coaching uh, guys stepping up at, at times. And that'll be something to look at again this year, where the young guys go another year past last year. You know, do they do they advance? And I think there will be. There's some guys, exciting guys, that I'm looking forward to seeing and taking the next step. Certainly, uh, you know, Cates and Morgan Frost will be other ones. Frost had a good finish to the year. I've been a Morgan Frost believer, and I, and I do think that that kid can put up points in this league. I'd like to see it happen a lot uh, again this year and see what happens with that. So there's a lot of exciting things to look at this year. Hey, guys, um, really quick. You mentioned the the top pick, and we'd be remiss if we didn't note the fact that, as we predicted on the show, Matthew Mishkov was loaned out from SKA. He ended up getting loaned out to Sochi. There was a rumor that he had wanted to go elsewhere, uh, but he ended up back with Sochi. Yeah, uh, no, we, we, I think what we, had, what we had said, just to clarify that, um, what we had said last time we talked about this, I don't know if it was last episode or two episodes ago, whatever it was, um, was that he really liked Sochi, but there was a concern that he didn't necessarily wouldn't go back there because that's where his dad died. Yeah. So, but ultimately he, you know, he really liked it there. I mean, that was a place he was happy playing. Yeah. And so the fact that he went back there, that's good for him. Good so for him. he, the, the reason I bring it up is because as we talked about going into the season, you know, you want to do the occasional check-in and see how things are going. And in a, uh, a game, was it yesterday? It was two days ago. Mm -hmm. uh, he scored two goals. I think it was yesterday. He scored two goals. First goal tied the game at two apiece. And then with less than a minute remaining in the game, he scored the game winner to uh, to give Sochi the 4-3 win. The first goal was just byproduct of being around the net. Goalie's out of position. He went top shelf. Second goal considerable skill a nice shot so uh if you're looking for excitement if you're looking for uh you know a, a down the pipe thing obviously everybody's going to be keeping their eyes on mishkov we don't know how long it's going to take until he's here but seeing him perform at, at the khl level is encouraging um i did see and this is just really quick i don't think a lot of people understand how european sports work with loaning players out to other teams um, and and why they do that there there was a seeming complaint that was being levied by some people on flyers twitter that he wasn't playing for ska and that him moving to another team was a waste of time or that it was a a show that they'd given up on him or that 
you know, it was, it was going to be worse for him to not be with that team. And if you follow soccer in any way, you'll know this is a very common practice. You take mm -hmm. a young player who isn't going to crack the team for whatever reason, uh, and you loan them out to a lower team in that same league to get starters minutes, to get legitimate playing time. It happens all the time. It happens with American talent in soccer quite a bit, actually. Um, it's a normal thing. And ultimately, it's like, would you rather have him play at the KHL level and get significant minutes for a team that might not be as good? Or would you rather have him rotating in and out of the lineup playing, you know, four or five minutes a night just so he could play for SKA? So this is a seemingly a more advantageous position for him to be in, gives him the chance to get more minutes for him to get time playing at that level. And so there's your Mishkov minute uh, for this week. It was more than a minute, but uh, yeah, know, encouraging signs. Uh, it is. It is uh, encouraging signs. Um, one thing I do want to get to, uh, Russ, I don't know if that we didn't really talk about this today um, before the show, but I saw a couple people ask about it earlier. And I did want to, I don't know if you were planning on getting to this and, you know, and I don't want to pop anything up on the screen because, you know, go ahead, Ant. It's okay. uh, if I do, uh, you'll, you'll be like, oh, you got it. Yes. There you go. Zach Pinto. Uh, I figured I'd give the, uh, the latest um, on this. Uh, I'm sorry, Shane Pinto. I said Shane Zach Pinto. Pinto. Shane Pinto. I don't know why I said Zach Pinto. I thought they were, we were talking, talking about, about the car used to drive in your 20s. Yeah, no, Shane Pinto. I really just dawned on me. I'm like, why did I say Zach? Um, anyway, I thought that so, was a car that you drove in your 20s. Yeah. <laughs> do, you, you remember, do you remember those things blowing up, Bundy? Yeah, I, I don't know. How many... had, no, we had a Gremlin, and I think that thing looked like it was good. Like the AMC Gremlin, and I was like a kid, or I had a Pinto, and my dad did. And I was like, fuck, I got well, Gremlin's what the girls called it in high practice, school. Your parents would be smoking in the Pinto. <laughs> going to hockey practice with the windows up. Uh, <laughs> You'd be in the back like, like this. <laughs> yeah. No, well, Pintos, I think if I remember correctly, um, were cars that had uh, uh, content that what they would basically explode on contact. Like if you yes. got into an accident in a Pinto, it would explode like they were something malfunctioning in them for a while. So um, I do remember that. But anyway, back to the, the right. real back conversation the here. Pinto. Yeah, Shane Pinto. Uh, so as I had put out last Friday, um, keep it. I told fans keep an eye on the Shane Pinto situation. If he couldn't sign with Ottawa, uh, the Flyers would be interested. They were one of the few teams that were interested. I know Boston was also interested. I think there was a third team, although I'm not 100 percent sure who that was. Um, but I talked to people both with the Flyers and um, up in Ottawa as well. So this is not just like a one sided thing. Uh, but the Flyers were interested. Over the weekend and then into the beginning of the week, right before camp started, it, it sounds like from what I'm hearing up in Ottawa that he's they, they want they're going to re-sign him and he's going to end up going there, but he hasn't done it yet. And so, well, what are the what's the what's the Flyers' involvement here? Maybe nothing, but they can't sign Pinto right now because they don't have the cap space to sign him, and so they need to get rid of some salary. Um, the name that keeps coming up is Matthew Joseph, uh, who's got 2.9 million remaining on his or uh, AAV on his contract for each of the next three seasons, um, including this year. And so that's the contract that everybody keeps. I've heard from up in Ottawa. I've heard from the Flyers. So like, that's the the name. And the Flyers are willing to take on. They've told the Senators, "We'll help. We'll we'll facilitate. We'll take a contract, but you got to pay for it." 
And so the question is, what do the Flyers want in return? And I don't. while I've heard a name of a player, I don't want to say it because if it doesn't happen, I hate. This was like the same thing when we had um, with Massimo Rizzo, right? Yeah. Like I knew I knew who it was. And when it's a young player or a prospect, you don't want to start putting names out there. Um, and then it doesn't happen. And then that player is a kid and he's thinking, oh, my God, the team doesn't want me anymore or whatever. So that so we try not to, you know, a lot of times we hear these things. And so we try not to put them out until we know it's going to happen. OK, so but there is a player that the Flyers are interested in that is in the Ottawa system. Um, and Ottawa, from what I'm told up in Ottawa, is they would prefer to find a way to move this contract with only trading away a draft pick, whether that's a third round pick, a second round pick, whatever it might be, that's their preference. However, if there's no way that they can um, get that done, if teams are not willing to accept that contract with just a draft pick, then maybe they would be willing to go the next step and, and include a player uh, or prospect and the one that they are most likely to move is the one that the Flyers are interested in. So, so that's where that, things are. Is that, that. Though, so? It sounds all like if, if just from where Ottawa's at, that this is a guy that they probably have given up on. Well, I don't necessarily if they've given up on him because they prefer to give up the draft pick, right? I mean, so if you if you'd rather give up a draft pick, you say, well, you're saying we don't want to give up the player if we don't have to. I'm just trying to, yeah, and again, I have an idea who right. it might be. I, yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm just saying is that if it's a young guy, and I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm just assuming it's a young guy based it's on. A pro, it is a prospect. I could say that much without. So it's probably somebody that Ottawa doesn't feel is. is, is uh, living up. Living up. Probably developed the way that they thought he was going to develop. Right. 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 So that's so that's kind of where things are. With, you with take that. a flyer on him. Maybe he's got some term left and then you could take a shot at him for a year yeah. or two and see if you can salvage the project. Yeah. And, and and so so I think, you know, what I know is, is that the senators have not gotten back to the flyers in the last few days unless they talked to him this morning while we're yeah. recording, um, which is a possibility. But um, as of yesterday, they had not gotten back to the flyers in a few days. So they're kind of hemming and hawing up there now i know that they just sold the team in ottawa yesterday that sale went through so maybe that's part of it maybe they had to wait for that to come to fruition because you know there's a new owner and the money is somebody else's money right i mean so maybe that's part of what's going on here um so yeah i mean i i do think that there is still a possibility that the flyers are involved in a deal but it's most likely not going to be for shane pinto at this point but they could still be in the mix with the senators uh and potentially getting somebody else and i know that they, i want to pop this up here russ uh, this because this keeps coming up there's no way they can afford them uh, and i i wonder if i don't know if 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 he's suggesting um that it's the, the senators can't afford Pinto or the Flyers can't afford Joseph with 2.9 million and because there's a lot of people who think the Flyers can't fit that under the cap and and currently they if you look at the Flyers salary cap spot you know or salary cap situation you can't just add another 2.9 million but there are so many loopholes around the the beginning of a season and how to make it work the Flyers have a number of players who they can technically make a paper transaction and send to the AHL right without having to go through waivers bunch of young guys and clear enough money 
that for one day, Ryan Ellis's contract can stay on the books. And then in day two, you put Ryan Ellis on LTIR. It frees up that five and a half, whatever million dollars. And then you bring all those young kids right back in. They never really left. It was just a paper transaction. And that's how you, so that's how you get cap compliant day one. And then day two, you bring everybody back and everything works. So um, that's, that's how it would work. It, it, you know, so there's no, the, when when people keep saying that the Flyers can't take on that contract, they absolutely can take on that contract. There's not a question that they can take it on. And, and, and there's also the possibility, don't forget, that, I mean, part of a deal could be, hey, Ottawa, we're going to save you some money, but maybe not $3 million. We're going to trade you something back that's maybe a little bit of a contract. And Because I think that when they were offering for Pinto, there was probably a player with an NHL contract that was going to go back to Ottawa as well. Um, again, don't want to mention names because I was asked not to, but there was, there was certainly something there. Uh, obviously that's probably not going to happen now anyway. So it, it'll be one of those trades that, you know, you always will down the road, we'll talk about and say, Oh, I wonder what would have happened if they did that deal. But, um, but yeah, so, I mean, so there is, there are other ways around it. Let's just put it. I just want to say it that way. So, um, so yeah, they, they can make it happen, and it, it. I still say it's probably in that 50-50 range at this point, maybe slightly less of a chance. Depends on how Ottawa plays it out on their end, but um, the Flyers are still interested in helping them out, whether or not it comes to fruition. We'll see. That was a lot. That was a lot well, to take in. I wanted to throw it out there for everybody. Here's, here's what's going to be interesting about the Flyers, right? They are going to be able in a lot of ways, to absorb some cap. Uh, and you would think that over the next couple of years, that's where things are going to get very interesting for them as a team, as being a facilitator to move contracts that other teams don't want in the short term uh, in exchange for assets, because, again, you're trying to rebuild. So not a bad thing. Um, anything else you guys wanted to get to before we head out today? Um, I hear that there's going to be an announcement um, coming soon. I know everybody mm. keeps everybody's been asking us about the broadcast like we for weeks we had known that Brian Boucher was going to be the guy uh, we were told you know we don't want to put that out there right just let it let it come to fruition I think that there was a reason that they wanted to get the TNT announcement out first you know they're probably because he's doing TNT as well so it's like there you know we had known for for a long time um, but we couldn't really say anything I mean, we kind of uh, I'll be honest you know guys we we kind of dodged those questions anytime we saw them in here and in here or on uh on twitter because we really didn't want to we didn't want to say anything it wasn't our place to put it out there and we had you know kind of agreed not to um i will say that i hear that there's going to be an announcement for radio as well it's coming soon um not our not our place to break the news but um because it's it's not an important thing like if it's if this was involving i'll put it this way i would say you know, says this to me all the time. If you know information, why don't you put it out? You're a journalist. It it doesn't always work that way. Sometimes you there is a give and take, right? Where you you get more information when you protect information as well. Um, it, that's just kind of the game we have to play sometimes, and it it sucks sometimes because you know you sit on something and you're like, God, I, I've known about this and I can't say anything, and then somebody else reports it, and you're like, um, damn it, I I could have had that, but I didn't. But it is. And Scott is right. It, it is a professional courtesy um, uh, that he just mentioned that. But um, th so there are things that you can say and things that you can't. 
And so the fact that we're not putting it out there and letting the team announce it, we'll let the team announce it, and then we'll talk about it um, probably next week. Um, that is a that is a courtesy to them, and then you know that's why I'm able to get the information that I get. I think sometimes because I'm I, I'm able to when I'm asked not to say something, I don't I don't. And um, the only thing I've ever broken, and I hate breaking stories, was I I, I had a feeling the day that Jonesy got the president's job. I, I yeah. threw that out there. Because I'm going to tell you right now, if it wasn't me, it was going to be some guy in his mother's basement in Montreal that was going to do it two minutes later. And I figured, yeah. you know what? Like, I know the Flyers wanted to hold on to that and make the announcement, but I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to let this happen. Like, if it's not someone like me who's been with him for 25 years or broadcasted with him, I'm sure the hell not going to let, like, uh, you know, some somebody in their, like, seriously, in their basement getting the rumors and then putting it out there. And uh, that was just kind of the exception of the rule. But I, I totally get what Anthony does and respects it as, as a reporter. We get a lot of great stuff, and we do share it with you guys. Yeah. Um, but some of it we, we can't because then you break the process of, of what the team's trying to do. You break uh, the trust that you have yeah, with people. Yeah, and then That's they can't do the job, and then, then, that, then that falls on us. That becomes our fault for the misinformation campaign or the information campaign that, that the team can't do it anymore because they got thrown in a bad spot. So I, people, I think people understand that. Well, and the, uh, yeah. the other the other element to this, by the way, is that like it's not worth burning a bridge over this story. Like this is not right. a mega story that you don't care if you burn the bridge over. This is like it's whatever, you know. Like it's it's a thing, right? So I do yeah. think that like Bundy Bundy started like dropping some tidbits about things last week, even though I said that we shouldn't drop tidbits about things. But you know, Bundy Bundy got himself <laughs> excited. And I will say, and by the way, Scott is totally right. All Ant's fault. Um, I think that there are going to be some, there, there are more than one announcement coming from some entity at some point. Um, you teasing our fans. You, and so that's, that's it. I'm just going to say there is, there's an announcement coming on this like radio thing, but like, I don't know. Like, I don't know who's to say I I've just, listen, my ears been to the ground. You know how this is. We, we cover in some way the media stuff a little bit more than, you know, other places might Anthony's, you know, captain J journalist over there. I, I like to be in the mud. So like, there's, there's definitely some moving and shaking going on. And I think, I think people are going to be very interested to see, uh, to see some things coming out over the next few weeks. I will, but, I will say, I will say, I'll, I'll add on. There to is that, something right? coming out today about the radio, I believe. Oh, it's today. It is. I, okay. It's today. Yeah. Okay. No, it's, wow. it's not me. I didn't say that. I'm not saying anything. It's today. You're definitely not on a live broadcast today. From from what I'm understanding, that something will be announced today. Yeah, I kind of I was told it was going to be this week at some point. It hasn't happened yet, so I kind of that's why I said coming soon. I didn't know if there was a delay on that or whatever. But what did you um, add on there, Antony? All I wanted to add is is that when you say there's going to be something else bigger. Or something I other. I shouldn't say bigger. Say you bigger. said you okay. said bigger. I didn't say bigger. You've said, said bigger another, in the past. I said another you may thing. have said it in the past. Another thing coming, whatever. I will say that we probably are gonna looking to be talking about that not next week's episode, but the week after's episode. And mm-hmm. it's a it's a positive. It's not anything that because I don't want to be sitting there going, Oh, you guys know that the Team Canada reports coming. No, we have no idea. And Danny oh, yeah. addressed okay, that's very, yeah, Danny not, addressed that Canada. right. It's yeah, the, the Danny addressed that during his press conference the other day. He said even the same thing. Like he was expecting to have 
heard about it by now. I mean, I was Danny was as honest as can be about that. I was it was maybe the best answer anyone's given about the hockey Canada situation. Like he's like, I don't know when it's coming. We haven't been told. What? I kind of thought it would be announced by now. Like I mean, he is saying the same thing that we're all it saying. Is, like just, Jesus. But, the, but if there's no legal jeopardy, how can they put the stuff out? Right. Like if there's yeah. nothing, so if there's no police for, I mean, I, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Maybe you can explain it better as a reporter, but if there's no information, if no one's been charged, isn't it against those people's violations or rights to have this material put out there without a, a, an actual a legal charge? Um, I don't understand the whole processing. And, and I mean, listen, guys, to be fair to everybody, we've been talking about this shit for months. Like every week, there's something. Yeah, I'm getting to a point where it's getting fucking old, to be honest with you. And I and I feel terrible about the whole situation. Well, that's why the NHL is to me. Having egging this thing forever is is ridiculous. Either shit or get off the pot, whoever's involved. Yeah, because you're making people talk about stuff that's not there right now, and there isn't anything there. Like even days, I don't know what's going on. This is what happens when lawyers and upon lawyers upon lawyers upon lawyers get involved. Because you're talking dozens of lawyers now at this point is what it really has become. And so so you're right, Bundy. I mean, there is certainly a situation where, you know, it's the, the, the league should be looked at negatively. The, the police up in Canada are dragging their feet. Like the fact of the matter is, is that there's it's been out there for over two years and no one has said anything publicly other than that one report that really kind of came out in the um, uh, the Toronto paper um, that I'm forgetting Globe and Mail. Um, and, and that was really, really it. Other than that, like you really haven't gotten a full in-depth reporting of anything. And it's all because everyone's afraid of being sued. It sucks. It totally sucks, but that's not what we were talking. I, I didn't want to bring it up. Like I just yeah. wanted to, the only thing I wanted to say was the thing that we're going to talk about probably in two weeks is much more positive, much more fun, much more exciting, and not that. I didn't want people to think that's what we're waiting. They're yeah. waiting. Yeah, and, and you know well, what? And, guys, and by the way, Hunt, let's let's take this to another place uh, really quick, and it's some place that Bundy and I were last week. We talked about Babcock and about what a weird situation it was, and now here we are a week later. And Babcock is fired. Well, sorry, he he resigned. Um, were you guys surprised that this played out the way that it did? I wasn't. But no, in today's day and age, I'm not surprised in the least. Just, I, I, I mean, again, it, but the, the part that still nobody gets is is like what really went on. Like, there's people like the the, the Gaudreau or the other people, like, oh, you just want to share family photos. Um. And then there's other people saying how wrong it was. I, again, like, what really happened? Did he come in and say, I want to see your pictures. I want to see what kind of a character person you are, which is what we heard. Or did he say, hey, and here's a little picture of my son canoeing this summer. Can I see a little picture of your little Johnny out, you know, water skiing? Don't there's ask a, difference, picture of there's a difference between Johnny, the two. But if I'll tell you one thing. If I'm a coach, I want, to, I want you to go out and play your balls off on the ice. I don't give a fuck what you did in the summer except get in shape. All right. That's it. That's I, it. I tried. Like I've, talked, I've talked to NHL coaches, three of them, that just think this whole thing is just weird. Like yeah. nobody does stuff like that at the at the bottom line. You're there to coach the team. Coach the team. I even said on Twitter this week, you know what? I guess I've come a long way in my life where I'm at now. But if you can make a difference in someone's life, 
even a kid by doing the right thing. You might even impact them that way beyond just the coaching of hockey. So I don't know, Anthony. I thought it was just odd, the whole thing. But I, I wish I knew more of it because it looked like there was some defense of it. But then there was other guys like, no, this is just wrong. Like Marty Walsh, the NHL director, said, yeah, this was the only appropriate uh, course of action. So. I do. Have, yeah. Uh, it, I, it's I funny because like, I was thinking about it. And I was saying, I wonder if like if a coach came to me and said, let me see your phone and, and see the photos on your phone. And I was like, I I kind of scrolled through it. I'm actually doing it again right now. And it's like, it's a bunch of pictures of me and my family, my kids, maybe a couple of, um, no, yeah, right. No, um, a couple of like, Hey, did you see this kind of like this thing on Twitter or this thing on like, and it's like a, a screenshot or whatever that I send around to people. And then there's always, uh, you know, just goofy, just, just typical goofy dad stuff like it's like like what would you get out of that like i don't know if you're if you're looking at my, i'm scrolling through i'm like if somebody looked at these photos and uh, there's a couple theater pictures right there's me in in a pink suit like that would be kind of fun right i mean <laughs> like what yeah, else is there you're anthony sanfilippo i mean you're gonna have those pictures if you're some 22 year old kid who knows what's on that phone right that's, that's true so you know yeah you i got right. pictures of my son at football and all that stuff too but you know i'm yeah. also not 22 living in this crazy social media world where memes yeah. and pictures fly through it like crazy. I guess you're right. It is interesting to me. And this could be the last thing. I, I don't know how many of, of the old school coaches are really left in the league that could have gotten themselves embroiled in something like this. The first thought I honestly had was like torts is like a dying breed, you know, like there, there aren't many coaches like him. And when you see the, when you see what was happening at training camp, just like in, in like, like really breaking these guys in on the first day of camp, you go, man, uh, there, there's a lot to process. And yet there has never been to my knowledge, at least since he's been with the flyers, there have been no complaints from players that go, you know, anywhere beyond like what's happening on the ice. Babcock did such an overreach here. Or like you think of like similar kind of like hard ass, you know, approach to the game or whatever. Babcock's, I, I don't know. The funny, the funny and maybe sad thing is imagine a world in which Babcock really did have the right intentions. And this is the first time that he's ever opened up in a way to try to like get his players to feel a sense of community or family or whatever. And it's ultimately his downfall. That's kind of crazy. I guess what I'm trying to say is I don't expect John Tortorella to ask guys to submit pictures of their families for next uh, next year's training camp. So, you know, we can uh, finish it there. Anything else that you guys want to get to? There, There is a rumor going around, Ant. I don't know if you looked in the private chat or not, if you want to touch on it or not. Um, or if we just don't want to I saw what you. I saw what you put in the private chat. Has that yeah. officially been reported? It was put out there by someone else. Okay, well, it's it's accurate. So I don't know if we want to. I don't know if you want to touch on it or not. We don't. No, nah, we'll we'll let the team make the we'll announcement. Let it, okay, the team yeah. can announce things. Okay. Yeah. All right, guys. I think that's it for this week. Uh, we will be back next week. We'll probably have a little bit of news. We'll have some stuff to talk about next week, and then perhaps the following week we'll have some news and some things to talk about, and then the week after it's just going to keep going. All right. There are new. There's news everywhere, my friends. Thank you for joining us. And uh, guys, I have to tell you, it was, it was fun to get the three of us back together. 
Ant, lovely having you in the middle, as always. And Ant Sandwich. <laughs> uh, so for Ant, find him on Twitter, at Ant Sam Philly. A nice big that. piece of bologna. Please don't. Please, no one clip that. No one clip. Ant, it's nice to have you in the middle. Double step, baby. Oh, wait, oh God, that actually does sound. That sounds so much worse. Never mind. Yeah, that's anyway, my point. Good to have. Good to have Ant back. Uh, good to have Bundy on the other side. Um, all right. Before we get canceled, I thanks for listening. Maybe even watching Snow the Goalie, the Only Flyers podcast. We'll be back next week. God help us. Uh, have a great weekend, everybody. If you're going to Flyers training camp, enjoy yourself out there. Take some pictures. Tag, tag, tag Snow the Goalie in your pictures. We promise we won't put them up Where's the on, on the screen. All right, God help us. All right, we're going to go. Bye, everybody. Have a great day.